Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. I'm so excited to have you back this week, and I'm very excited to introduce you to my guest this week. Eric Feltus is a life coach who helps other gay men free themselves from church shame. After growing up Catholic and evangelical, Eric really hated being gay. It took him a long time to go from hating it to tolerating it to loving and celebrating his queerness. Ultimately, his own struggles from his past are the driving force behind his 10-week program that's designed to help gay men fully love and embrace all parts of themselves with a community. Eric is also a television film actor, dog dad, which is my favorite part, avid hiker, and proud plant daddy to nearly two I was going to say 220 houseplants. I'm giving you more children. <laughs> Eric, welcome to the Gay With God podcast. Listen, I believe in plant control, so I don't have space <laughs> for 200 plants. I am pro-plants, and I am also pro-choice with plants. So I will have as many as I can give life to and not be irresponsible otherwise. Thank you so much for changing it from 220. <laughs> So, so just full disclosure, Eric and I have been talking for quite a while just a minute ago, and he finally reminded me that we probably should have been taping all along because we, we, we were talking about some pretty cool stuff. So just, just to, to let you know, we are more connected, Eric and I, than we thought, you know. I'm from an Advent Christian background. He actually was in Aurora, Illinois, and went to the Advent Christian church in Aurora. My parents met in Aurora, Illinois. So, oh my God, we could be like brother and sister. Who knows? Divine intervention, I tell you. There's a reason we're here right now. That is, that is exactly right. So I'm very excited to have you here and you know, you, your presence online is so powerful. And of course I'll put all of those links on the show page when we're done, but I want people to, who don't know you and who haven't found you to get to know you. And the message that you have for gay men is is something that we all need, but you know, this is, this is your thing, but you didn't start out as a big advocate for the gay community. And, you know, in your bio, you even said you really hated the fact that you possibly could be gay. So let's start there. Tell us your story. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I do break that up often between hating to tolerating to loving. That seems mm-hmm. to be the journey. Um, and, you know, I, I believe that everything comes from a a source of fear or a source of love. So I would say that when we're at a place where we hate any part of ourselves, it's because the discomfort inside is so intolerable and we don't know what to do with it. So we punish ourselves for it. Brene Brown would say that hate, that blame is the discharge of pain. So when we have intolerable beliefs, we can purge those onto others, but we can also blame ourselves. We can purge that onto ourselves, Mm -hmm. which is what I did for the first 25 years of my life before entering that stage of toleration, which oftentimes is a lot harder than the stage of loving yourself. 
Toleration takes the most faith. Faith is not certainty. Faith is sitting in the discomfort of the unknown and choosing to keep moving forward. So to anyone listening, if you are at that phase of hating or tolerating yourself, you're not alone. I talk to men on a daily basis like you. We love you. Uh, and we want to get you to a place where you also love yourself. And you, and that is possible for you. But I didn't believe that all the time, Midge. Can I call you Midge? Yes, please. Okay. So I didn't believe that the majority of my life, right? So the first 25 years of my life, I grew up Catholic and evangelical, as you said. Um, you know, I... I was engaged to a woman. I was so deep into perfectionism and people pleasing. Those are two things that I hear a lot with men in my field as well. Um, we we avoid the, those the intolerable authenticity, and we cover it up with a performance, a life that society says we should be right. Mm -hmm. The old facade. And yeah. So we cut off pieces of ourselves to be what society says we should be instead of owning who we are and letting those who value our values gravitate towards us. Right. Mm -hmm. So for the first 25 years, it was contorting to the person that society said I should be in a closet. Um, I so deep into denial that I was engaged to a woman. We were together for five years. She was my best friend. Um, you know, at this point in time, I was going to that evangelical church. Um, and then I met a man and uh, that's how so many stories just, that's, tragic, <laughs> that's how it starts <laughs> tragic downfall of so many stories right <laughs> I, made so a I, man. <laughs> I met a man a man um <laughs> amen and he really changed my life because it was the first time where i felt seen by another man mm. i think up until this point midge i was able to compartmentalize and i think that not all, but many Christians perpetuate this dangerous belief that your identity is in Christ and nothing else. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that's accurate. And I don't think that Jesus would agree with that message. Mm -hmm. We should not deny pieces of ourselves. And I know from full experience that the more I love my queerness, the more I feel seen by Christ. Mm -hmm. The more I think about me crying myself to sleep as a child, praying the words, dear God, I don't want to be gay. Is no different than Jesus the night before he was murdered by someone that he trusted, uh, turned in by someone that he trusted. Right. The night before crying in Gethsemane saying, please, God, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. So the more we choose a love for ourselves, the more, ironically, we realize that we are much more like Jesus than we thought. Mm. And I didn't know that. I separated Jesus from me for so long mm -hmm. through perfectionism and people pleasing. Um. But when I met this man, it, it was different. I couldn't sweep it under a rug because it wasn't just the physical. I made eye contact with him and I fell in love with his eyes. I wanted to be with him, not just use him as a distraction mm -hmm. to get out that homosexual feeling, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is when I knew that being gay is not wrong, but that living a double life is wrong. Mm. So I, I am not proud to say that I cheated on my fiance with that man. And that's kind of when I woke up and I'm like, oh, I'm living a double life. I'm hurting people along the way for what? Mm -hmm. I'm not happy. So what am I, is, is avoiding the truth worth it when I'm hurting people along the way? No. So I came out of the closet six months before the wedding. I called the wedding off. I came out to my family. My parents are awesome. I, I, I genuinely asked the question, after saying I'm gay, do you still love me? Mm -hmm. And I know how sad that is now because at that time I was trained to believe through mm -hmm. actions 
in a conditional form of love, transactional mm-hmm. love, right? Right, right. So when my mom cried and said, what did we ever do to ever make you feel that there's anything you could do that we wouldn't love you? Aww. That Aww. was faith in action. That was unconditional mm-hmm. love for her son. Mm-hmm. I say this because I have a lot of privilege because I come from a family that would say that to me instead of kicking me out of my house. You know, Midge, 25% right. of homeless youth who are who come from Christian households are kicked out of their parents' house yep. the day they come out, 25%. Mm. That's not Christ. Nope. Mm-mm. To see Christ's love through my mom in that moment, it was one step towards authenticity in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say that Oftentimes coming out is risking relationship for authenticity. It's something that we all go through mm-hmm. and it's similar to planting a tree. If I'm going to plant a tree and it turns into a sapling, I'm not going to invite the whole world over to see that tree. It needs space, nurturing time. I'm going to nurture it. I might bring a few people over that I love and trust to look at that tree and fertilize it and water it with me and love it with me until it grows strong enough to be climbed upon by society. <laughs> So Mm -hmm. while I did fling out of the closet because everyone needed to know why the wedding was off, (laughs) right? I started, and a lot of people already knew, let's be honest. I started by sharing that tree with my close family members first. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. That grew like wildfire. Everyone found out very quickly. You know, life doesn't get easy when you come out. Life gets authentic. The relationships in my life were authentic. I knew that then at that moment, if someone said they loved me, that they actually loved me. I believed it. I didn't follow it in my head with, no, you don't, because you don't know me. Right. So I had genuine connections. I believed in unconditional love. I was able to then reflect that upon myself and love myself. And some people, you know, fell away from me. Some people said they can't agree with my lifestyle, so they can't be my friend. One person at that time who I had gone to that evangelical church with said, that she loves me, but she would never come to my wedding as if that was such an absurd idea. My friends, then you don't love me. If you don't love all of me, if there's a but after I love you, if there's conditions on it, especially in the name of Christ, I don't mind burning that bridge. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say yes to myself by saying no to you. Mm -hmm. So thank you to that person. Thank you for showing me your authenticity and your fear and the Mm -hmm. capacity that you have to love me. It's not enough. Um, I love myself too much. Goodbye. So that happened a lot. Um, I then started asking Midge, like, why am I doing other things? Why am I a teacher? I loved teaching, but I recognized that I wanted to be an actor. But in order to be an actor, I would have to be seen. The one thing we want in life is the thing that scares us more than anything, and that's to be seen. Mm -hmm. But now that I am not weighed down by the wet blanket of inauthenticity of being in a closet, I can be seen. Mm -hmm. So I quit teaching. I became an actor in Chicago for three years to kind of warm up before moving to Los Angeles. I've been here for a little over six years as an actor and a life coach that helps gay men free themselves from church shame with my dog and my 20 houseplants. (laughs) All right. So so here's my question. Growing up Advent Christian. We had no choice but to believe that homosexuality was a sin and you would go to damnation fire. So even though your mom could gift you with the love, that authentic love, how did you unpack the the teachings that you got from the church? Or were you not involved too much in that 
did you ever buy into it? And how did you, cause that's always the thing. See, I didn't come out till I was 30. And the one thing that kept me locked in was because of the overwhelming uh, messages of going to hell and that homosexuality was like having sex with animals. They, they taught us in youth group. And I'm like, well, that's not good. <laughs> that's yeah. not good. So how did, how did you deal with the spirituality part? Or was that something that was not a struggle for you? Oh, it was absolutely a struggle. And mm. that was that phase of toleration. Mm. Um, I did leave the church right away. Um, not shocking to me. Most people from that church never reached out to me again. Right. Some people did. Um, I, I, I got, there was one person that the pastor at that church set me up with who was married to a woman with children and was quote unquote, same sex attracted. Y'all, the reason I'm putting that in quotations is <laughs> that's a way of separating homosexuality from our identity. It's no different than saying I have homosexual tendencies instead of saying I am gay. Right. Um, and so I met with him twice and talked about his struggles with homosexuality. Some takeaways for me was that he, when you look in his eyes, he was sad. And I think about him all the time. And every time I get messages from Christians, particularly from gay Christians, who don't identify as gay, but say they're same-sex attracted, who believe that I am leading men down an unhealthy path, or who try to tell me that homosexuality is wrong. Um, I don't get angry anymore. I feel sad. Mm. Uh, you know, Compassion originally means to suffer with. Mm. When we put Jesus in a sky and separate Jesus from us, and we use perfectionism in order to look and act perfect, we are, we are avoiding the opportunity to suffer with others. Mm. But when we step into our authenticity and, and choose authenticity at the risk of relationship, we then have the ability to show compassion for our brothers and sisters and beyond. Mm. Um, but now that's a tangent. So I, I was with him for a few sessions. What I'm saying is I feel compassion for him now. I'm not angry about what he said. Mm-hmm. One thing he said to me in the session was when I said like, well, you've been married for a while. Is Has sex ever been enjoyable with your wife? Long pause. And he said that he uses his wife to masturbate. Oh my goodness. He uses his wife's body <sighs> to achieve orgasm and that's it. Now, do I feel, do I think they don't have any connection? No, I will not say that. Do I not think that there's anything good in their relationship? That's not my place to say. Right. But I will say that I want a partner so that I can have connected, mm-hmm. loving, consensual, safe sex with where we're both on the same page. Um, and that's not that that life would not have given me that. Mm-hmm. I tried. Um, so when I broke the wedding off, I got an apology letter from him apologizing for failing me. Hmm. And I threw it away and I really wish I hadn't. That's where I was at that time. It was intolerable. That's fair. Right. What I needed right. to do was protecting myself. But now mm-hmm. that I'm a little different and have boundaries and understand where he's coming from, I just feel sad for him because I feel that was a projection of how he feels about himself. Mm-hmm. And I think he saw me at the beginning of my life. And I think he thought, oh, I can change this guy. And when he realized he couldn't, I think it was a reminder deep down that we can't be changed. Yeah. He sees me now. It's another reminder that he didn't choose that path. I think mm-hmm. I got that response. Um, I, and then I got a couple of people reaching out to me and, and, and said that they supported me and love me as I am. And that is beautiful. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to point out that I want to throw the baby out of the bathwater. There were some really loving 
wonderful mm. people, just like my mom until that point, that were a part of that church with me. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's a yeah. miracle right there. Just so you know, <laughs> people, that's a yeah. miracle that there was anybody in that church that would have aligned with them. But there, yeah. there are people now that that from the college that I attended in Massachusetts, which was another one of our state, our, our colleges, that there were many of us that were gay at college and yeah. just never came out to it. I didn't know I was gay, but the ones that did never came out and led that straight Christian life. And now we've connected all these years later and we're like, Oh, really? <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The guy I was engaged to turned out to be gay, which is why he broke up with me. We were going to be married also, but um, he didn't want to. He told me at one point years later, he says, you know, Midge, he said, I loved you so much as my sister that yeah. I would have married you just not to break your heart. But I know that marrying you would have broke both of our hearts. And wow. so I, I couldn't tell you, you know, at college, but I had to, I had to break up with you to save both of us. Well, and what 21, 22, 25 year old really know. I I'm know not right? It's not the yes. same. Yeah. And my dad said to me, Eric, I know that you think this is the end of the world. And he said, I promise you, this is the beginning of your life. Wow. Perspective. I mean, loving father, which I say this for a couple of reasons. One, um, it goes against this negative belief that if you're gay, you have an absent father, which I see in the comments all the time. So uh, we're still perpetuating that negative belief. Yeah, yeah. Two, I think it's important for us to, to, to speak voice, to give voice to those, especially cisgender men who are the face of most of our trauma, mm -hmm. who are learning and who mm -hmm. are growing. I think it's important because we need them. Yes. Ugh. I didn't answer your question about spirituality. <laughs> <laughs> My answers are too long. <laughs> well, I think I think part of your answer was that that you had people that modeled Jesus to you in a very closed and unaffirming church in general. The Advent yeah. Christian Church does not agree with homosexuality. Now, I do I do know there are Advent Christians now that agree that homosexuality is not a sin, but as a church denomination, I don't think you'll find that. Um, so I think your spiritual journey, even though it was probably taught to you that it was not okay, you had people, key people in your life, like your mom and your dad and other people from that church that, that were allies for you and that supported you through that. Was there ever a time that you personally had a hard time just kind of gravitating back to that teaching that maybe I'm telling myself a lie. <laughs> maybe I'm not going to. Yeah. How did that work out for you? All the time mm -hmm. to this day. Yes. Because I'm still learning, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I left that church the, the day I came out, I never returned again. And I thought I was, I, th I think I thought I was done with church forever, but I, I didn't, I don't remember anymore during that six month absent period what my thoughts about God were. I really don't mm -hmm. remember anymore. I think that I was so excited to be a kid in the candy store and explore <laughs> some of the joys of homosexuality that I hadn't mm -hmm. explored before, just like sex and deepening relationships with people who actually saw me as I was being able to watch a movie with my mom and, and say, I think he's cute and have her either agree or say, no, I disagree. Like <laughs> conversation. It's like, I felt like I was like making up for lost time. Uh -huh. And I love that. Um, in that, I I was invited to go to a church in Chicago. So I was living in Aurora at the time. And the church is called um, 
um, Urban Village Church. It's a mm -hmm. United Methodist Church. There are four churches in a, in Chicago called Urban Village Church. They are church planting family. And I went to one downtown and it was the first time where I saw queer people in leadership positions. Ah. I get emotional thinking about it because it is so healing. Mm. You don't, this goes into, you know, representation matters. Like I will mm -hmm. never know. I'll never know the shock and awe of seeing a white person in a leading role because I've seen that mm. my whole life. I've had that privilege as a white right. person. Right. But you better believe I bawled my eyes out for every episode of Heartstoppers because it was giving something to the inner child that never had that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The church, Urban Village Church in Chicago, gave me something that I craved my whole life, which was to be seen safe and celebrated as and because of who I am. And that space provided the opportunity for me to ask uncomfortable questions like, how do you know you're not going to hell? Because mm -hmm. I was still afraid myself. Yes. I struggled with a long time. I struggled with this a long time. And I always mm -hmm. tell people, you don't shift those beliefs overnight. Every mm -hmm. time you choose love for yourself, you're given what I say is a grain of sand. You're not going to do anything with that grain of sand except put it with the rest. Over time, you're going to have a beach. Over time, <laughs> you're going to have a paradise. Mm -hmm. Over time, you can invite other people and community into that beach and paradise with you. Mm -hmm. But don't give up when you don't feel as if you are good in the eyes of God overnight, because it might mm -hmm. not happen. That is where faith comes in. Faith is mm -hmm. sitting in the discomfort of the unknown. And mm -hmm. I struggled and I did that for a very long time until yeah. I think it wasn't overnight. It was gradually mm -hmm. over time. I look back mm -hmm. at my life and I'm like, I am awesome and I'm resilient and I heal people now, mm -hmm. but it wasn't like that overnight. Mm -mm. Yeah. I think the patience of the journey is really hard sometimes. And I, I tell people that it, you know, anytime you're in a, a group that's marginalized or, you know, targeted that it's very fragile feeling that, you know, okay. So this person comes into office and they say, Hey, gay people, we love you. And we're going to bring you some healthcare and we're going to give you some rights and we're going to make you available for marriage. And then the next person comes in and says, no, gay people, <laughs> you're going to hell. We're taking it all away. And I said, when, I, when your basic right to be yourself gets taken away at the mark of a pen, then that that speaks to your own essence of who you are, you know, it's that scary. you're not enough. And it's it's very scary. It's frightening. And um, and I think that that can sometimes reactivate that. Am I sure? Why does everybody else think it this way? <laughs> we love have numbers. Why right. am I an object? You know, I say this to family and friends who, who vote conservative, yeah. you know, who, who tell me things like, well, I'm not a one ticket voter. Uh -huh. In other words, yes, I am accepting and, 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 and I, and an ally to you, Eric, but I can't vote for that platform because I have multiple items on my multiple things that I vote for. And I say, you know what? Great. I don't have that luxury. Right. I don't right. have the privilege to have multiple things on my checklist for who I'm going to vote for because my freedom is at stake in every election. And we, if we think it's over, it's not. It's look, never over. Look at the number of anti-gay bills that have been posed just in 2022 in the first six months of 2022 alone. Right. And so, you know, I think that's what, what I wanted people to continue to hear and understand is that, you know, they think that just because we can get married, 
that we should be grateful and be quiet. And of what course I'm grateful. <laughs> I know what else you want. You got what you wanted. And I'm like, and, and is, and you think it's going to stay. I mean, so I got what I wanted. Is it law? Is it a law that cannot be changed or challenged in the Supreme court? We've had laws. They don't mean anything if people can challenge them and tear it down, you know. And it's still legal in 20 some states. I don't want to give an exact number because I want to say 28, but I could yeah. be wrong. Yeah. 20 some states, it's still legal to fire someone based on their sexual orientation. Absolutely. And North Carolina would be one of those states where I'm living because we are a we are a no fault um, kind of state where we don't have to give you lots of reasons. I mean, of course, there is there are some guidelines, but yeah, they can make your life very bad so that you'll quit. <laughs> they won't ever say it's because you're gay. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, anytime that any one of us can claim who we are, live authentically, take the, you know, and I was looking at some of your, the comments that you get online, just based on, on your work and how you, you know, what people will say to you and, you know, not any other worker really goes to work and gets hate mail just because, you know, from people because of, you know, the job they do. Now, maybe, you know, people do complain and turn people in for bad performances and stuff. But still, yeah. we are we are a unique bunch where we can, you know, try to live authentically. But, you know, you risk death. You know, you risk losing your job. You risk a lot of things. So, you know, we are when you said the word resilient, you know, I think you're right that we have as a, as a community continued to rise to every challenge and we just continue to choose ourselves, you know, as a way to live our life and be as out as we can within reason. I mean, I, I don't ever say every person needs to come out because I don't know your story. I don't know if you're safe. I don't know what would happen to you if you did. I, you know, yes, I would love for the whole world to come out <laughs> so that we could sure. all stand together and say, look at us. This is how many there are. We're hiding, but we're all here. <laughs> to me, what I think you're doing, Midge, is you're noting your privilege. Yep. I, I, I'll do the same thing. I am in my mid thirties. I am six foot three. I am white. I can pass for straight if I need to. Yep. I have a lot of, I'm cisgender. I have a lot of privilege. So for me to say that it's just as easy for a 16-year-old black trans person yeah. to come out to their Christian parents, it's not, no. or to the world. Uh -uh. You know, I think, I, I, and it's not, it's really not my place to talk about a demographic of which I'm not a part, but the observation I've made is that there's a lot of stereotypes, wrong stereotypes, as an example, that members of the black community are more homophobic than other communities. That's a stereotype that we see. But what is what I believe is happening in reality is that it's not that they're more homophobic, is that they have more going against them. Absolutely. You have a black boy who's 16 who yeah. gets in a car and you have to give that child a conversation mm -hmm. about how to behave in front of a police officer. Mm -hmm. I never had that conversation because I didn't mm -hmm. need to. Mm -hmm. And now that person is, is gay, not now, but mm -hmm. we're adding another minority group to that person, you know? So. Mm -hmm. Your point, everyone's story is different. This mm -hmm. is just the story of Midge and I, and it's important to right. understand you have a different situation than we do. So please, mm -hmm. if you're listening to this, don't compare your lives or your actions mm -mm. to us. Mm -mm. It's not fair to you to do so. Mm -mm. And even when we did come out, I mean, the, 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 
the part of that is that there are losses. You know, we can't ever say that that you're going to come out and it's just going to be great and you're never going to have another problem with it because it does happen. You know, it, it does happen. Right. So so when you work with the men, what would yeah. you say is is the, the biggest struggle? Oh, and I know this is a generalization, but what is the biggest right. struggle that men bring to you that is a common theme that we all seem to be dealing with? In their words, I've said this before, but it's important to repeat. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not gay enough. I'm not Christian enough for Christians. I'm not gay enough for the gay community. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what I hear a lot is they come out of the closet and they think they'll be embraced from this community in, in which they came out for. And oftentimes they're not. And I think it's because the gay community is 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 one that is made up of a bunch of hurt, burned, rejected people. Mm-hmm. While we know that healed people heal people, like you and I, mm-hmm. hurt people hurt people. So we're 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 forced out of a church for our authenticity and placed into a community that also doesn't want us. Mm-hmm. So in in maybe life coachy, maybe like Brene Brown terms, I would say that it's a lack of belonging. It's mm-hmm. a lack of worthiness of belonging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I would, I would one hundred percent agree with that. And I think that even in our own community, we are bigoted against people who are not in our classification, if if that's the right word. Yeah, that it's like okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm white, I'm gay, I identify as a lesbian. You know, and then you have someone who may be understanding that they're trans and that they want to be able to be authentic on the outside with how they've always felt on the inside. And the community has really had a hard time embracing a lot of the trans folks in our community, because when you don't live another person's life, even though we can be empathetic, I think it's really sometimes hard to understand everybody's journey. And I think that's also some of our some of that religiosity that we have that it's like, yeah. Oh, wait a minute, God created everybody and his image or her image. Or, you know, if anybody uses her, it's, you know, then we go, Whoa, God, God's a she, Oh my gosh. And Oh, Oh my God. We were just getting used to that. Jesus is probably Brown. Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. so we have a lot of baggage. And, and so just like, you know, the, the African-American community, you know, they have all this, you know, color variation, um, bigotry going on. And, you know, the gay community is like, now, wait a minute, we've had these letters. We don't need any more letters. <laughs> right. You're you know, I think a lot of it, Midge, comes from the need to control. Ah. We leave the church space because we've been burned, but we keep with us the need to control. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So just as it's not a Christian's place to tell me, that I am wrong to believe something that's that doesn't align with them. It's also not a gay person's place to tell me that I am wrong to believe something that does not align with them. I understand where it comes from. I get a lot of gay people who say, you know, I can't believe you're supporting an institution that's hurt so many of us. And I yes. feel the pain. <laughs> I feel it. I want to explain something, though. When I say that I'm Christian, what I really am is a, a, a Christian philosophical thought leader with Buddhist tendencies. But that doesn't fit on a bumper sticker. You know, I don't yeah. believe that Jesus wanted to be worshipped because he didn't say, come worship me. He said, come follow me. Mm. I believe Jesus was a Buddha. I believe that Jesus was asking us to raise our consciousness to his level and we failed. Instead of raising our consciousness to his level, what we did was we pushed him above us. And we said, no, 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 we're going to dehumanize you and worship you to hold so we don't have to do what you're doing. 
Mm-hmm. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. Keep me on your level and do what I'm doing. Yeah. So that is the kind of Christian that I feel I am. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel I can reclaim that from an affirming church space. I'll say that my boundary is I don't interact. Um, I have said never before, but I retract that. I don't want to never say never. You never know. No. But I don't interact at this point with any welcoming churches. A welcoming church is right. one that says, hey, you can sit in our pews, but you're not equal. Mm-hmm. Advent Christian was a welcoming church, right? Mm-hmm. In Aurora. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that's, that's my line, but everyone has their own line. I know some people who are gay Catholics. I know some people who and, and want to reclaim that. That's great. Mm-hmm. I have some of my clients who walk away from the church forever. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Some of my clients abstain from sex. Some want to have sex yesterday. I say, amazing. How can I help you to love yourself? Right. So when anyone tells me that I'm wrong to be who I am, I would invite them to the table and see if we can have a conversation about that. Can you ask me questions instead of tell me how I should or should not live my life? Because how are you any different than the people that burned you? You know, I just wish that we could all get to that place. And I don't think I, I don't believe that the church is ever going to give up their fear of hell in order to embrace us. Can you say that again? Say that again. I don't believe that the churches will give up their fear of hell to embrace us. Wow. What a shame for them. Yes. What a sad, fear-filled existence when you are completely ignoring the message of the gospel. Jesus did not say. That's right. Jesus said, you may enter the kingdom of heaven through me. I don't believe he meant that you need to believe in me. Even though the majority of people that are going to write about me in, a, in my autobiography called the Bible have never actually <laughs> met me, even though words will be changed throughout history, even though the word homosexual will be added to the Bible in the year 1946, just all of the mistranslations, it doesn't matter. You have to believe in me. And if you don't, then the unconditionally loving father that created you is going to make you suffer in hell for eternity. What a scary existence. No, Jesus did not call us to do that. Jesus called us to create the heaven here on earth through choosing love and through sitting with people that think differently than you and saying, Ooh, that makes me uncomfortable. Can you help me to be a better critical thinker so I can love you better? Because right now what you said makes me really uncomfortable and goes against what I've learned and I'm feeling anger, but instead of purging that discomfort onto you, can I just hold it myself and have a conversation with you? That is what Christ would have done. And so what's the name of the church that you now pastor at, Eric? <laughs> I I don't, know, but I, so I go to the Church of Life Coaching by Feltis. Because, oh my gosh, I, I would go hear you preach. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do speak a lot. I'm speaking coming up for Tucson. I'm not sure when you're releasing this podcast, but Today. Tucson Pride. Oh, amazing. Oh. Tucson Pride, um, I'm going to look at it on my calendar. I want to say that I'm preaching um, this, is it this Sunday or next Sunday? You'd think I'd know. <laughs> next Sunday on October 2nd, I am preaching at a, a church called New Thought Church Ooh. Um, in, in Tucson for Tucson Pride. Nice. Um, I have preached at my church. Um, I can give you for show notes, I can give you my YouTube channel, which has oh, some good. of my preaching in it. Good. Preach a lot about my own coming out story as well. But I also teach Sunday school at this church. The church I go to is called Harmony Church in Toluca Lake. And it's a satellite church of Hollywood United Methodist. So they're both open and affirming United Mm -hmm. Methodist. Like uh, like, um, 
urban village in Chicago. Nice, 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 nice. Yeah, I like those those um, those churches that say they're welcoming. All are welcome, and it's only so they can get you in there to pray behind your back, <laughs> so you can. Change. Yeah. So, well, yeah. they need your money. Yeah, 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 yeah. And business I. Business. You know, have you ever lost someone in the gay community because you were Christian identifying as a Christian person and that that they didn't want to trust that part of you? I I wouldn't semantics, but I wouldn't use mm-hmm. the word lost. Mm-hmm. I think that if that were true, I would have gained a sense of freedom and clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't name anyone in particular. Mm-hmm. I will say that dating has become interesting after I became public with my platform. I've been a life coach for a while, but my 10 week program that's designed to help gay men free themselves from church shame just finished its first year. Mm. So really exciting stuff has been happening. Now I have a year long program that we're adding on to it for people that want to continue the work. So much going on. When people look at my Instagram, like they'll see me on Hinge or Tinder, and then they'll see my Instagram. And oftentimes I get crickets after that because they see the messages I'm putting out. I don't blame them for that. I understand. Yeah. Um, So I think I have, but I don't know necessarily how to quantify it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I was so interested by all that because that earlier statement, you said you're not gay enough or Christian enough, you know, that people are like, which way is it going to go? And, you know, I did have, I, I, I use the word lost, but, um, you know, I lost friends because I was gay. And then I turned around and, and after my journey back to, to church, I lost people because <laughs> it wasn't like I quit being gay, but I just added back my faith that I was struggling with and trying to, to reclaim. But apparently they didn't like the fact that I had then started going back to church. And yeah. Can I, can I comment about that? Sure. So this wrapping some of these things up into a neat bow, if any of those people came to you and was like, Mitch, can you explain this? Because it makes me really uncomfortable, but I love right. you and I trust you and I want you in right. my life. So can we talk about why? Because right now it feels like a personal attack. Mm-hmm. That's a fair thing to say to you. Yes. And I think that in being a Christian personally, I think that you owe, you don't owe anyone an explanation, but if you want them in your life, it's a fair question. The people that love us, I feel are called to hold us accountable. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, someone that's just going to cut and run, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think that's data that that person wasn't necessarily unconditionally loving for and with you anyway. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yes, I would. 100%. But it was a shock. You know, it was a shock that, (laughs) you you know, coming out was supposed to be a time where, you know, you can connect with people and be authentic with them. And then you know, you go to your gay buddy and you say, Hey, guess what? I'm going to you know start this and I'm going to go tr- see if I can find that back. And, and they're like, well, you know, I, I just don't, you know, <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, it's interesting. This would not help them because it's a Bible verse, but in a, in a letter from Paul to the Corinthians, he talks about what we would say today is code switching. And that's, you know, that com- that could sound, you know, like as if you're two-faced. I don't think Paul means it that way. What Paul mm-hmm. is saying is when I'm in a church, I use language that resonates with people in a church. When I'm out of a church, I use language that resonates with people out of the church. When I talk to people of wealth, I use these words. When I talk to people who are in poverty, I use this language. And I think what he's saying is that the message of Christ, which is the message of unconditional, radical, inclusive love, transfers beyond the bounds of 
all human um, social constructs and can meet us where we're at. So I would say it's our responsibility, Midge, to know that. So when I am talking to a room of gay men who have been burned by the church, I can use language that I might not use when I'm talking in a corporate speaking event. Right. It's not to say that I'm a different person. It's the same message, but it's language that makes sense to that group of people because we know that language is not unconditional. Language is not infinite. Language mm -hmm. is very finite. Mm -hmm. And the word God, Christ, love, forgiveness, any words could mean something very differently to two different people. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I have a group uh, online that uh, that I use the word Bodhi seekers. And, you know, the Bodhi seekers were people that that I had aligned with when I was looking into Buddhism. And I was, you know, it was all about not God, but seeking a deeper meaning. Um, and then the gay was God. Said, I thought you said Bodhi seekers. Oh, no, Bodhi. <laughs> oh, that's fun. I want to be in that group. Is that a new app I haven't heard about? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyway. I'll, send, I'll send you the link. Um, okay. <laughs> I cut you off. That was rude. No, that's fine. That's fine. That's how I, that's how I work. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, with the gay with God group, you know, I'll use the word God. You know, there are mm -hmm. times that I've used creator of all that is, it's like, you know, I, I don't really think God cares what we no. call God. I think mm -hmm. that it's how we live our lives and how we show up in the world. And, you know, you are showing up in the world in a way that heals and, excites people. And, and I just, I love, I love what you're doing. You know, I told you that earlier, but I just love what you're doing. And I love the fact that you came from a place where no one would have expected, <laughs> you know, nobody would have expected you to have this presence online and to be who you are right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm so glad that you stepped into your life and you didn't let anything stop you. And mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you came from privilege. Many people come from privilege and they're not with us today because it was too hard. Mm -hmm. And they chose suicide over the journey because yeah. it is a very terrifying journey to take from an evangelical church and in the society that we're living in and the trauma that we face every single day when we are trying to be authentic. I'll tell you that that this is sort of like a commercial, I guess, but um, <laughs> but not really. So I went to a wedding of uh, my wife's coworker and she has an amazing husband. Now they got married They're They blended their families that are not quite the same, but they blended their families. So I didn't know exactly what the wedding would be like. And I wasn't really sure what the, you know, dinner afterwards would be like. And so I was a little bit, okay, we'll go and we'll support her. Cause I like her, but it was like this most eclectic. It was almost like heaven. It's like, oh my gosh, we're all so different. <laughs> so great and beautiful. we're all getting along and it was beautiful and they had this um thing where you could it was like um marriage marriage years dance so anybody that was married was supposed to come onto the floor and that included everybody and i looked at my wife who never i mean we we couldn't be more different you know i'm like what and she's like don't look at me just uh, just let me find a, ball, a wall and i'll sit by it and i said yeah. honey i said this is our chance we need to be in this we're married we need to be in this dance so we get out and we start dancing we even kissed on the floor and we mm -hmm. came in third in the marriage in the marriage numbers because yeah. with our holy union back in the day we've been together for 27 years Good it will you. be 28 years in october and wow. so the only people that bought that um, were ahead of us 
were the the girl's parents who had been married for 45 years and these grandparent people that had been married for 50 years. And I'm like, dang, did we represent for the community or what? <laughs> you did. And you know what? Give it to them because good for them. That's right. Good for them. If you can stay together for 50 because we've just got in 27. But <laughs> that's good for you. <laughs> but it's what those types story. of things that you know you look for in a community and it's far and few between. But to be able to be on a dance floor, to hold each other, to kiss each other amongst heterosexuals you just don't ever find that you know very often and and this is this is the unconditional radical inclusive love of god universe yes. higher power whatever yes. word you want to say because you have yes. no idea midge the impact that that kiss had on anyone else in the room there could have been one person who's in the closet yeah that felt a little safer. Let's just say there was a 16 year old girl sitting there watching you two. And then on the drive home, she overheard her mom and her dad talking about how lovely it was to see these two women dancing and be together for 27 years. And that could have given her the courage that yeah. she needed to talk to her parents. We have no idea. Yeah. We have no idea the impact that we can have on others by just choosing love. That's yes. it. Yes. 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 Well, even though I could talk to you for like a million years, but um, I want to give you a chance to to think about what is the one thing um, that you would want to share. Like if, if someone were in your shoes back in the day and they are yeah. struggling to come out, but they don't know what to do or how to do it, what would be the one thing that would have helped you back then if someone could have said it to you earlier in your life? Closely examine that voice that's telling you that you're bad. Mm-hmm. And ask yourself, would an unconditionally loving God speak to me this way? Mm -hmm. If you can note and understand that there's so much we don't know, and there's so much room for wonder, if you can sit in that discomfort and continue to choose to love yourself in whatever way that works for you, I promise you that you will be rewarded. Mm -hmm. And I want you to know that in this space, I will always see you. I will always do my best to keep you safe. And I will always celebrate you, not in spite of who you are, but because of who you are. And I'm getting emotional again because it's just what I do. But it's because my tears are your tears. Mm. I cried myself to sleep at night all the time growing up, praying, mm. please, God, do not make me gay. Please, God, change me, change me, change me. And God changed me. Mm. God did not make me straight, thank God. God changed me and helped me to love myself deeply. And that mm -hmm. is a miracle. A miracle is when we receive something that we didn't even think was possible, that was out of our realm of understanding. Mm -hmm. God answered my prayer. God transformed my mind into a place of loving myself. Mm -hmm. And and I, I hope, I hope that you get to that place mm -hmm. because we need you and you're a mm -hmm. gift. Mm. That's beautiful. Is there anything else on your heart and soul that you want to say before we end today? I would just say, you know, if this resonates with you, reach out to me. Mm -hmm. I know that I understand and I recognize that I use very exclusive language by saying gay men burned by the church, gay men church, right? That's very <laughs> exclusive language. The reason I use exclusive language is because I want to be extremely transparent and honest about my limitations. I will never, ever know what it's like to be trans. Not to say that trans men are not men. Trans men are men. Mm -hmm. and I can work with trans men who are men, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know what it's like to be different. So I, the messaging I put out 
uh, or to a group of people that I'm confident that can help. But if you don't fit into that group, that doesn't mean that we cannot work together. Mm -hmm. It would mean that it would require an additional conversation about my limitations and lack of experience as someone who is a female, as an example. Mm -hmm. But if we can have that conversation, we can still potentially work together. So that being Mm -hmm. said, if anything resonates with you or you just want to learn more, Mm-hmm. Um, my Instagram is probably the best way to reach me. It's just Eric Feltis, E-R-I-C-F as in Frank, E-L-T-E-S. <laughs> you can go to lifecoachingbyfeltis.com and download the free video to help you break free from your people pleaser prison. <laughs> Click on the link in my bio on Instagram and watch um, the podcast interviews, which I will be adding this one to. Um, I'm here for you. I, I, it brings me so much joy to be a part of your journey. So it would be as much of an honor for me as it might be for you. Wonderful. Wonderful. And all those links will be on the show page. So you can get all of those and you'll give me the YouTube link and we'll, we'll hook them up with that too. I'm putting a little box here and say YouTube, because you know, I don't remember things, but I don't either. I (laughs) forgot about it already. (laughs) Oh, I remembered something. (laughs) So Eric, I so want to thank you so much for saying yes to the request to come on the show. I really appreciate that so very much. And it's been a joy to have you here. Amen. Feeling is mutual. Love you. Love you back. And thank you, everybody, for listening, for coming back each week, supporting, sharing, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see more information and links to connect with Eric, go to the Gay With God show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. If you are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with God, if you are authentically on the LGBTQIA plus um, <laughs> Mafia, (laughs) letter mafia. God has always been within you. Even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. See you next week. Stay tuned to hear how you can join the gay with God community. And remember that we're doing a Facebook group, gay with God, and we have a faith journey zoom group that you can join from there. And We're having a lot of great conversations in that group. So we'd love for you to join. Uh, And if you need a little coming out and faith journey about your faith journey, go to my show page and pick empoweredmidge.podbean.com. Scroll all the way down to the bottom and see how to connect with me. And you will also go to that show page to find Eric. Okay, everybody. Love you. See you next week. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.